Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen. How are we doing on this fine Monday evening? Pretty good. Just had a delicious uh, chicken sandwich, so feeling pretty good. How about you? Yeah, and you were proceeding to like cough it back up on camera, so that was a little hey, I would never do such a thing. I would never do that. Oh, of course <laughs> Just... not. So... I won't paint a uh, a detailed picture for our listeners here that don't need to, to hear that. Um, but uh, as, again, it's Monday night, uh, the October the 12th, as we're recording this. So NBA Finals just concluded. Um, I think to, to no one's surprise, uh, LeBron and the Lakers got it done. Um, I mean, just goes to show you how how talented that Laker team is, really. I, I thought the only way the Heat were winning any more games was if they played perfectly. Yeah, <clears throat> and I thought I, I have to eat crow because, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, the chicken sandwich cough that you referenced earlier has come back. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I got to admit, though, I was way wrong about the Lakers. I thought they wouldn't be able to outlast whoever they played in the Western Conference Finals, which I thought would be the Clippers, uh, because no Avery Bradley. I really thought that would hurt them. But, like, KCP really stepped up. They had a lot of guys just step up when needed. It was kind of the next man up approach after LeBron and AD. Uh, I mean, yeah, super good team. Like, in a lot of those guys, it was a bunch of guys who had bad labels on them. They came together. So it's a pretty, honestly, kind of one of LeBron's most inspiring titles. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, just a, a very impressive showing from a guy who's, what, 35 years old at this point, uh, like 10th straight final. So he's played more games than anybody in the past 10 years, which is just remarkable. Uh, yeah. But, you know, enough about that. Uh, what that really officially means is that it is uh, NBA draft time. Uh, you know, a bunch of people starting to turn their focus to the draft. Um, so, you know, if you are a new listener, go ahead and check back to last week's episode. We did our first mock draft of the year. Um, you know, we talked about uh, several different prospects, uh, including two that we're going to be discussing today uh, in obviously much greater detail. Um, so let's start with probably the enigma of the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, and that is uh, the Serbian. How do you want to classify him? Is he a, a forward? A post? He's a he's a player. He's a player. He's a player. <laughs> he's a <That's> player. <laughs> uh, out of Serbia, uh, Alexei Pokushevsky played for Olympiakos and the Greek League this year. Uh, seven feet, 195 pounds, seven three wingspan is what I have on him. Uh, I don't think he turns 19 until after the draft. Is that is that correct? Yeah, the day after Christmas. So he's the youngest player in the draft. Yeah. So in uh, in 2020, again, the the stats are going to be a little all over the place with with him being a European talent. But I had him 12 games, uh, 21 minutes a game. Shot 40% from the field on about nine attempts, 31% from three on about four and a half attempts, 78% from the line on two attempts per game, 10 points, seven and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, and just under two blocks a game. Um, but again, the reason we we call him an enigma, and, and this is just my opinion, you can chime in here if you agree or not, you know, in five years, Pokushevsky could be a top 10 player in the NBA, or he could still be playing in Greece. Yeah, there's 
he's probably got the highest, uh, I don't even know what I'd call it, just differential, I guess, in ceiling to floor in the draft. I mean, it's probably him and, what, RJ Hampton and a couple other guys in the class. I mean, he's he's just an absolute boomer bust. Uh, like, I really think it's kind of hard to say that nicely, but his upside and floor are just drastically different outcomes. Yeah, and I think um, I just want to get this out of the way now because it's something I could bring up in every facet of his game is that, you know, when we talk about Pokushevsky, it's it's not about what he does now on a consistent basis. It's about everything we've seen him do. Like the stuff he's capable of is just stupid. The stuff he's capable of is ridiculous. The question is consistency and, you know, maturity. Yeah, putting it all together kind of thing for him. I mean, the flashes are just insane. I've, I've never seen a seven-footer um, make some of the passes he makes at 18 years old, I should say. Because, um, I mean, that it's just a ridiculous combo of raw tools and physical gifts. Um and, you know, a lot of people, I've seen for whatever reason, people say like Greek freak, uh, many things on him. But first of all, not even close. The only thing they have in common is uh, that I was looking up a minute ago was that he does have Greek eligibility for the Greek national team. So if he does hit, uh, you know, in the Mavs uh, or, or even before then, if the Mavs hit get him and, uh, you know, he has a nice year next year, maybe there's a Greek tie to Giannis. <laughs> I'm blinking over here, but I don't know. I guess the blink doesn't exactly translate over a podcast. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just he's an absolute just really you don't see players coming through the draft like him, especially as first round prospects. Well, yeah, I, I can't really think of any really good comparables because, again, of the stuff that I've seen him do, I'm like, you know, you'll you'll see someone be like, oh, like that's that's almost shades of KP, and then he starts bringing the ball up the floor, and I'm like, well, you know, Porzingis isn't doing that, right? Porzingis, you know, isn't handling the ball like Poku can, doesn't always, but how he can, um, you know, then it's you know the the shot blocking, the the shooting, the shooting off movement, the uh, the passing, you know, it's there. When we get to that portion of of comparison, for me, that I I don't have one. There yeah, is, you, we might as well skip it because there just simply is not one. <laughs> so so let's let's start with you know we we mentioned you know you just have him as player right like if if you had to put him into I, I think for me <laughs> at his best he's a forward. Yeah, combo forward. Would you say? Yeah, well, yeah, because because I don't think he's he's ever really going to put on the muscle to consistently be a full time big. Um, and if he does, then you may lose some of that mobility, which you definitely don't want to do. Like, there's no question he probably needs to add, you know, 20 to 30 pounds of muscle as he gets older. And he will. Again, he's only 18. Um, but I don't want to see him ballooning up to, you know, 240, 250 and, and losing some of that mobility. Cause that's what makes him special ultimately. Yeah. He doesn't need to put on, he doesn't need to be Shaq, you know? Right. <laughs> and well, putting on a ton of like, weight. Like, 
I think that's what did like Greg Oden in. And again, like they're nowhere near similar prospects, but like I thought Greg Oden was was going to be a superstar, and then all of a sudden he went from being like 240, 245 pounds to 280, and then you know the knees couldn't yep. couldn't carry that weight anymore, and he, he just wasn't the same player after that. Um, but you know I I digress. Um, yeah, and and he's he's kind of it's so hard again. Everything with him is just like this. Uh, I can't think of the word. It's just it's everything is almost uh, contradicts itself. Like yeah. he needs to put on weight, but he can't put too much weight on because he's fragile. Like it's just it's it's this horrible thing where so whoever gets him has to have like a perfect nutritional plan for him because like again like mobility or not mobility excuse me durability physicality and just overall strength uh, are three big areas of need for him. But if they do. If I feel like they overcompensate, a lot of his strengths currently go down, like you said. I almost wonder if you just let him grow and whatever <laughs> he ends up at, he ends up at just naturally. Like, you don't try to force one way or the other. You know, if he ends up putting on muscle the same way Giannis did, who looked like a twig, or Rudy Gobert, who looked like a twig, you know, great. If if he doesn't, if he, you know, only gets up to 220, 225, you know, we can work with that, too. Um, so, um, but anyway, let's kind of get into, you know, the evaluation. Um, and, and I want to start with him as a scorer because I think he's got upside to be an incredibly versatile scorer who can score at all three levels. Um, and at the same time really needs to refine all of his mechanics. (laughs) Again, every every single one of his pros is also like a con to an extent. Like it, it, I've never seen someone like him uh, that we have to say that like where it's like it's good, but I don't know. You can't go too far in one direction either way, you know. So, so let let's start with the shot specifically because yeah. I have my <laughs> thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. Um, it's it's not perfect, obviously. Uh, like most of his game, I don't think it's and negative uh, by any means. Like, the touch is really good. The form, though, needs – if I'm not mistaken, he, he kind of dips it low, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a, that's a, that's a big concern for me. Uh, obviously, he's big, so it, it doesn't matter as much as, like, a six-foot guy doing it. But uh, I, I think the shot will eventually translate. I don't know if he can shoot over defenders, though, as easily with that right. kind of dip. I think – First of all, I think the shot looks incredibly smooth and incredibly natural for the most yeah. part. Um, again, I think there are things that need to be tweaked, but for a guy his size, it, it looks very easy for him. It looks very natural for him. Um, that's obviously a great thing. Uh, a couple things I noticed is he, you know, sim- similar to to what Denny Avdia did before he kind of had the the layoff and then the restart where he had that crunch in his shot, kind of kicked his legs out a little bit. And the one thing he always does, which I hate, I I always try to correct this in, in the young players that I coach is he never holds his follow through. He likes to short arm it and then, you know, bring, bring it. And, And I don't know where that started because it's, it's not good for your shot, but you know, uh, I, I was watching his um, him in the uh, U18s against Germany uh, earlier today, and I was watching. You know, he was shooting a couple free throws on the first one. He totally short armed and and it rimmed out. And the second one, he held the follow through 
a second longer and it went in and you know is that the only reason probably not but you know I, I think holding that follow-through and learning to do that consistently is going to be important for him um but because of just like you mentioned the natural touch and and how smooth it all looks even with some of these um issues i mean again he shot 31 percent, which isn't good but to me it the shot's going to translate i think yeah and a lot of times i mean he's in the b league uh it's hard to read into those numbers a lot because like yes you want him to probably be better if he's a first round pick uh, but I mean, yeah, the shot, like the skills are there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, I guess my big question with his shot, besides like the dip, like we've talked about, uh, and I really like the follow through points. I, I feel like that's simple basketball. I mean, you just get better extension that way. If you're not, right. if you're aiming to hold it longer, like that's pretty simple. But, uh, what do you think about his arc? I've seen things on it. I don't know where I stand. Like I've seen people say he doesn't get enough arc. I've seen people say like, it's fine. And I'm like kind of in the middle. So I'm interested to see what you think of that. I mean, I think at that height, you know, the only player I remember who would get pretty significant arc at that height was Dirk. Yeah. You know, everyone else kind of line drives it in, like Porzingis line drives it in, Kawhi line drives it in. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't think it's a huge deal, to be honest. Like, could he have a little more arc? Sure. Is it going to define him as a three-point shooter I don't I don't think so but I think part of his issues stem from lack of lower body strength at this point and just lack of strength in general I think he's trying to overcompensate with you know throwing his legs out and you know maybe that's why he short short arms it a little bit because he's kind of trying to push the ball um but again as he gets older the strength will come and um you know, we always talk about how um, shooting is the most dynamic thing, you know, among young athletes with how much their bodies change, um, you know, and, and his is, you know, he's still he's still physically maturing. Um, but again, I just think with the touch, with the smoothness, I buy the shot going forward. Is that is that something you think? Yeah, is going to be a part of his game. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that's almost honestly probably one of his safest areas. I would say. And I think what's crazy is you see him, you know, doing step backs and, you know, off movement shooting, and I think that's something that again could be there for him at the NBA level. Yeah, I mean, the flashes are 100% legit. And I don't think it's a competition thing either. Um, like from, you know, particularly the uh, the B-League, whatever it's called. Uh, I, I don't think it's a competition thing where he's just able to kind of mess around and try more. I think it's genuinely just part of his skill set. Right. Um, now, having said that, you know, part of his um, part of his shortcomings to me are how flashy he wants to be and <laughs> how many things he'll force. And again, I like the rest of his game. It's something that I think gets better as he gets older and he matures, but it's definitely something to watch. Um, and it's not like Luca necessarily where he's trying to fit in a, you know, a pass in a tight window <laughs> or, or something like that. I mean, he's coming up the floor and he's trying to go behind his back with three guys on him instead yep. of just making the simple outlet pass, <laughs> you know, things like that. 
Yeah, I, I think I sent you this oh, like a month or two ago, but there's a video where he goes like behind, you know, the LeBron behind the back right against like Philadelphia, or he goes through Tristan Thompson's legs and Joel Embiid's legs or something like that. Yeah. Like it's a super famous play. He tries to do that. He tried doing that in traffic and he pulled it off a little bit and then tried doing this crazy pass to top it off because he was under the basket. Like it was an unbelievably silly play, I guess is the word I'll use. Uh, that he had no business doing, and he's still pretty much – he was very close to pulling it off. Uh, so like like you said, the maturity is definitely uh, something that – it's going to help him a lot. I remember Ricky Rubio back in the day uh, was super flashy, and now in the NBA, like, I mean, he's kind of flashy still, but he really toned it down. Uh, so I completely agree. A lot of the passing mishaps are pretty fixable just with age and time. I mean, but even like – he. <laughs> He got a defensive rebound, and there was a guy somewhat in front of him, and instead of pivoting and making a chest pass, he yep. threw it behind his back. And to a guy who was, like, five feet away, and so, like, he made the pass fine. It wasn't a big deal, but I'm like, just catch the ball, pivot, make a pass, and get, like, why why risk it? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, unnecessary um, risk. <laughs> yeah, and maybe he's a little too confident in that regard. Um, but while, I guess while we're on the topic of passing, holy crap, can he pass? Yeah, his vision is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> maybe to a fault sometimes, yeah. but <laughs> I wouldn't say he's particularly like too unselfish necessarily but the passes i've seen him make um you know in all sorts of situations out of the short roll uh out of the low post uh just wing to wing cross court passes the way he can whip one-handed passes off the live dribble it, you know it's almost Jokic ish you know what and, i mean and one other area where i don't know why i picked up on this uh maybe it's because i don't know you've seen me with josh green Dude, his mid-air passes is, are incredible, too. Like, he'll be in the middle of a shot, and he can pass out of it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and we well, see Luka it. do that a lot, too. And that's True. an important thing to do. Just you have to be smart with it. Right. And I don't think it's as important for him being seven feet tall. He's yeah. already taller than <laughs> most guys he's going to run into, uh, especially when the Mavs draft him. And, you know, they already have Porzingis and Boban, <laughs> so it'll be great. Um, but... I've noticed he, he tended to do that most on, like, high-low passes. Like, he would get in the high post, and he would square up like he's going to shoot and then just dump it right over the defender to to his ceiling teammate, um, which, again, is a super smart play. Yeah. No, I mean, his – again, it's, it's about the flashes. Um, like, the flashes are always, like – so they're, they're not hard to miss. You know, or they're uh, – excuse me, not hard to see. Um, and I, I do think that a lot of times, like just to kind of wrap up the passing, like it, it's going to be, it's going to be one of his go-to skills. Would you agree with that? Like, that's probably going to be one of his biggest selling points for the NBA is the passing size. Yeah. Because I, one, I think it opens things up for him to score more when, when you are a threat as a passer. Um, but also I think it gives him more of a path to being that guy who could arguably play three through five because if you can you know you can run quote small with him and you'd still at center 
but because he can <laughs> pass from anywhere. He can pass from the wing. He can pass from the top of the key. He can pass from the high post, low post, baseline. Doesn't matter. Um, he he sees it all. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a, a core um, attribute for him moving forward. Yeah, and and I mean, going small isn't always about actually being small. It's about making the other, you know, it's a mismatch thing. It's about making the other team pay for a lineup you have, essentially. Uh, I don't know how to word it better, but, I mean, if you have him as the five, quote-unquote, like, he's still almost a small ball five because he's still stretching your your big man out to the perimeter and taking him completely away from the rim. Right. And right, on exactly. so many levels, not even just on the shot, obviously. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more of that, um, you know, Lakers with Anthony Davis, yep. right? Yep. Being able to do that. Um, I mean, the Rockets are taking it to a new extreme, but if they had <laughs> someone like Poku or, oh, you, you know, thinking. Please well, don't. Don't even, don't even say but it. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if he becomes what we think he can be or even 70% of that, you know, that's the perfect fit for that style. I mean, you know, when D'Antoni was there at least, but, you know, we'll <laughs> see if they continue to do that. Um, okay. So I want to, I want to come back to the scoring here. We were just, we had gotten on the topic of passing. So I wanted to touch on that. Um, one area I'm really concerned about is, his finishing in traffic. I think part of that has to do, actually, I think a large majority of that has to do with the lack of strength at this point though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you're, you're going to hear us saying this a lot, but I mean, once he fills out his frame, he's just a whole different player. Like, he has really good touch, and he knows – like, I think I saw it was Mike Schmitz or something put out a video of uh, of his touch at the rim. Like, because it's really good touch. It's just, like you said, in traffic is a different story uh, versus one-on-one where, I mean, he gets high uh, – Where I'm sorry, the ball uh, – I'm blanking on the words, but his touch at the rim is just really good, and he can basically throw it up from anywhere off the glass. Like, that's, that's pretty – almost unteachable. Like, that's natural talent. Right. So again, I'm just, I'm really like, I almost want to fast forward three years and just his physical <laughs> development looks like, because again, he'll be 21 at that point in time in his third NBA season. Like that's wild. Yeah. I mean, that's, you don't get that You don't get that luxury often as a team. Right. So I guess one other aspect of his offensive game that we should cover is the ball handling. And the reason I want to bring it up, and I'm coming back to what what I've seen him do versus what he does. What I've seen him do is go coast to coast, dribbling, you know, through and around people that he has no business dribbling through and around. Um, and it's it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> and then I've also seen him try to do those same things and totally lose the ball, right? Or try to make a pass that is just totally careless. And so ball security with him is going to be a big deal. But again, what he's already capable of doing with, with the ball handling, it's, you know, that's why I think he can possibly stick as a three if that develops and he gets tighter with that handle, because that's just going to help him even more create his own shot. Yeah. I mean, and you'd said it earlier. I mean, that's more about open court a lot of what you said and I mean you said earlier though the step backs I mean the things like that yeah you put those two together it's kind of putting two and two and 
I mean, yeah, the upside is unbelievably obvious, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, there were still times he would try those moves and, and lose the ball. Um, it didn't happen a ton, but it, it was enough that I noticed. Um, and so maybe that's, again, just something he needs to tighten up. Um, but, you know, just, just kind of wrapping the offensive side of his game. Um, we're, we're talking best case scenario here, like everything we've talked about hits. You know, do you still see a potential flaw in his game or something that, that you need more answers to? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't it, – it all depends. I really think his talent is at high NBA level. Uh, I really don't think there's too much question about that being put together. I, I really just – and I hope this isn't a cop-out, but I really do think it's all about his physical tools, just how they I agree. Out. Like you said, if – I mean, for all we know, two years from now, if he's – we, if he didn't enter this draft, I mean, he probably would be one of the top five prospects. If, if like, I mean, just two years of development, I think will do wonders for him. And, and it makes it so hard though, like to actually accurately predict what his body will look like. Cause there's a lot of guys who just don't put on the strength. Right. Right. I mean, he could end up never getting above 205 and he could end up filling out the same way Gobert and Giannis did yep. so it's you never know and it's a it's a massive risk um here here's probably a better question out of the stats or out of the uh, skills we we talked about today which one do you think is the biggest swing skill like if 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 this one skill doesn't develop or does develop you know could it's hard to say make or break him because there's so many things that he can do really well well, which do you think is the biggest swing factor? I think it has to be the shot. Because kind of like what you said, I mean, Porzingis didn't put he, – he added weight, but he didn't become like uh, – I don't know how to word it well, but he didn't add as much strength as people thought he could, I guess. Uh, people thought that frame could be filled out a little bit better. But he's also – I mean, he can shoot – we've seen it. He can shoot from literally the logo. Uh, yeah. 7-3, shooting from the logo. And he's a good defender. That helps. Don't get me wrong, obviously. But even if he wasn't a good defender, he would still have a very long career. Like being seven foot and having the the jump shot is the biggest threat. And I yeah. think he'll stick even if even if he only has the shot and the handle and all that don't actually translate. What about you? Um, I think I see the shot developing. So for me, it's for me. I think it might be the ball handling because I think that's the difference with. Do I just have an undersized post or do I have a guy who is arguably the most versatile player in the NBA? Yeah. So for me, that that's what it comes down to, because I think the movement's going to stay. Well, I guess that's part of it, too, is if he does add weight, how much of that, how much does that affect his mobility? Yeah, that um, is. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of a good segue into the into his defense, um, you know, he's, he's not a great athlete necessarily, but he moves really well for his size. Yeah. He's not, I wouldn't call him like explosive by any means. Um, but I mean, he checks out, like I would say he checks the box, you know, right. in the athleticism department. Like there's nothing he, 
does that really stands out. Uh, although his defensive numbers are pretty crazy. Uh, I think he's one of two two players. Let me uh, just have this pulled up. Uh, and he is one of two players to have over five blocks and steals combined per 40 minutes, plus 50 total threes attempted uh, in this draft class. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, the, he knows how to use his body, you know? Yeah, I think shot blocking is going to be a huge plus for him. I think the instincts are there. Obviously, the length is there. I think he's pretty quick off the floor. Um, I think my one criticism regarding that is he's often behind the guy he's blocking to get <laughs> out of position, just yeah. just because he kind of gets bullied. Um, but there were plenty of times where he's making, you know, more um, – I guess we'll say more common rotations from the weak side uh, and providing that, that rim protection. Um, and, and I, I think that's going to be a, a strong suit for him. And he plays the passing lanes well too. Um, probably gambles a little too much though. Again, the maturity. And right. I mean, that's also why he has the, the five stocks uh, per 40. I mean, that's like, right. Probably he takes those chances. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about him as an on-ball defender? I think, okay, so like his hip fluid, I, I, I really don't like using this phrase, but like his hips are really, I, I like them. I think they're good. Uh, I don't know how to word that a little bit better. Uh, Just in, Richard really <laughs> likes Poku's hips. They don't lie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, they're not, for seven-footer, it's a, I mean, most seven-footers that are coming through the draft, they probably are going to be easily be off the dribble. I don't think you can say the same about Poku. Uh, now, however, I do think, though, uh, kind of like you said, strength is just – like, he gets bullied. Uh, and and I, I think strength is just such an important on-ball factor, especially, like, for first step and everything. You can really limit that. Um, I think the strength is going to be kind of where his defense – or his defense, you know, and his strength are going to be aligned. Yeah, I think for me, you know, how consistently can he sit down in a stance and at least be average staying in front of his man? Um, he knows he has length and he uses it. And, and we've seen him just close out on a shooter casually and get a piece of the shot without really trying to. So you know, he has the length to kind of help him in that regard. Um, but I just think there were too many times where he was a little lackadaisical in his stance and, and allowed someone to blow by him. Um, so is that something he's going to be able to do at the next level? I don't know yet. Um, yep. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I also wouldn't bet against him. You know, yeah. it's, it, again, everything with this guy is so hard because he's just so polarizing, and it's and there's no clear direction. Like some of the polarizing guys in this class, like especially like from the NCAA, and I mean even even some of the other international guys. Like I don't know, you feel like you might have a sense of direction, but with the lack of tape, like just in depth tape, I I should say, uh, plus the absolute freak raw tools, it's I mean it, it, he's the hardest evaluation in my opinion of this draft. Like, would you agree? Oh, yeah, no question. No yeah. question. Like, it's – sorry, I thought I was coming in a little bit hotter than that. But <laughs> <laughs> So, last last thing on the eval side, and then we'll kind of get into comparison and best fits and all that. <clears throat> Team defense, to me, is 
abysmal. He, <laughs> to me, has no idea what a rotation's supposed to look like. There's way too many cases of him, you know, rotating incorrectly, closing out on a shooter with a teammate when he should have been rotating to the next available guy. Um, you know, just not rotating at all and just kind of watching, losing his man. Um, I, I think that's the biggest focus for him needs to be lock in defensively, really learn where I need to be and and study up on that side of the game. Because, again, with his length, you're just adding to the to the potential, you know, game-changing, you know, stuff he has, for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a it's a combination of just, I feel like, overall raw. Like, just, yeah, he's raw, and he still needs to learn, obviously. Uh, plus, I've, I've always wondered how much, like, some people, some players have their weight, or lack thereof, uh, impacts the kind of defense they play where they're, they take more chances, they know they're skinnier, and, you know, like you said, uh, like he gets bullied, so he tries to play around that too much, probably. Uh, but I, I guess my question for him on defense is just if he comes a good on-ball defender, is he going to be a positive defender? Uh, and I, I'm not confident to say yes on yeah. him because there's a lot of guys that I like. Most of the time, I would say yes, but I don't know. Like he needs to improve so much on the just the mental end. I would say on defense. Yeah, like just decision making. Decision making, decision like that's that's the swing. Thing. <laughs> there it, you go. Yeah, it's it's the decision making. It's will he make the right decisions in the moment, or is he always going to be someone who J.R. Smiths it? You know. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm confident he'll figure it out eventually. I really am. Um, but. But, but let's kind of move towards, you know, we mentioned we don't have a comp for him. Where, where do you have him ranked on your board? Because it's got to be so hard to rank a guy with his ceiling, knowing he's not going to impact your team until 2022 at the earliest. Yeah, I mean, he's a really hard evaluation on that just because I don't know when, uh, when or, you know, when he comes over and what he looks like when he comes over. Uh, so I went a little bit... Uh, I went probably south of the consensus. I wouldn't put him at 20. Okay. I think that's reasonable. Um, ultimately, it's going to come down to your appetite for risk. I think ordinarily I would probably have him slotted in a similar range. Um, I haven't actually slotted him in anywhere on my big board, but just looking at it, I mean, I'd be tempted to to put him in the top 10 because I do have some conviction that, I don't know, there's just, I just see him panning out. It's, I don't, I wish I had a better you have a gut reason feeling. for that. I mean, but I just, it's, it's <laughs> like a feeling. I, I just feel like he's going to be a superstar. I really do. Um at the same time, there's there's such a large uh, variance that he doesn't necessarily need to bust 
or be a superstar. Like, I think there's also a very realistic possibility he comes in and he's, you know, uh, Davis Bertans, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, that kind good of player, player. Yeah. you know? So, which again is still useful, but if I'm taking that top five, I'm hoping for a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get into the star upside. I do have one comparison, and it's not a direct comparison. It's just kind of the shades of, I would say. Okay. Uh, and it's only the offensive end, because this completely negates. If I used him as a whole, it would not be accurate whatsoever. But offensively, he kind of, if you took away a ton of his, this guy's defense and added a quarter of his defense, uh, I guess that's left over if this makes any sense, into passing. Because this guy's a really good defender, and he's young. So if you put, I think, offensively, uh, like I said, you add passing take away all the defense Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is the one where he shows a lot of shades of that's probably the closest I can think of in the NBA where if you put him on the same development track um but obviously though Jaron makes a lot of his living on the defensive end so it's hard to say him but offensively the the kind of awkward shooting uh thing some of the not awkward shooting but the awkward uh what's the word habits I would say on the shots I mean like Jaron shoots like a middle school uh yeah still shoots and he still shoots a above league average. Yeah. I, I don't mind that. I really don't mind that. Um, do you have a best team fit oh, in yes. mind? Okay. Oh, Other yes. Minnesota. 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 Easily. Okay. Easily. They have two picks. They're the team that they are far and away the team that needs to hit in the draft the most. If they miss it one, I mean, they're not going to miss it one and 17 if they take Poku and like Anthony Edwards or Lamella Ball, whoever. They're just, there's no chance both of those guys are terrible. Right, I agree. Um, what what's the highest you think he could go? So I think, okay, I mean, you know my stance with this draft. I think it's gonna be all over the place. Uh, yeah, I I could see him going to New York at eight. You know, in 2016, a lot of us thought like you know Thon Maker was that kind of guy who was the polarizing guy, and he went tenth to Milwaukee out of nowhere. Right. And I think something similar will happen with Poku. I agree and the reason i do is i totally see a scenario where a gm goes to ownership and says look i need to know how stable my job is and if it (laughs) hear me out if it is my strategy would be go after this kind of talent because frankly outside of the top I don't know, three guys. I think everyone else is more of a, you know, their ceiling is like very <laughs> high level, you know, role like number two, three kind of option. They're not a franchise change. Right. There's no franchise talents outside of the top two or three to me. Um, Poku can be. And so maybe that's where I say, okay, let me take a shot at this guy. We're we're going to tank again next year for what could be a historic 2021 draft class. You know, Kay Cunningham, um, you know, Jalen Green, like guys like that at the top of that class who, who are potentially franchise guys. And you build your core around those two. Um, I could see a situation where a GM takes that kind of swing, but he has to have, you know, Cajones the size of Alaska <laughs> and basically a, a a very 
um, be very confident that his job is not in danger if he if he misses. So I think you described only three teams, uh, and one of the and it was not the Knicks, and all of them are kind of in the similar draft range, uh, which are San Antonio. Uh, that, that's the one that came do. to mind, which I don't yep. think they would do it though. I don't think they would either, but they like they fit the bill of everything yeah. you said, and then obviously Dallas. Dallas has all of that. They have if they miss in this draft, honestly, so what? Like it's they have two real. They basically have two first round picks, anyways. If they miss at eighteen, so be it. The Mavs never hit at eighteen. Like, let's be real. Uh, like, I don't know. That's one. And then the third one. This is a dark horse, and this could be this could be the biggest swing for the fence if they did it and it worked out because they already have danger, which is New Orleans. Yeah, absolute. It would be an absolutely ballsy move. Uh, you get a shooter which is what you need around Zion. But, I mean, I just – I can't imagine. I don't want to because they play in the Mavs division. Uh, unless they move to the East. I, I don't want to see that personally <laughs> as a fan. But <laughs> even then, they'd be in Orlando's division, and I'm wearing an Orlando shirt. So. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we are Mavs draft. I would love him here. I, I think, to me, if he's there, that's the pick at 18. And then at 31, you take your – your high floor role player. Yep. But hey, take a swing. And if if this guy ends up panning out between him, Luca, and Porzingis, I mean, him and Porzingis <laughs> protecting the rim together is stupid. Stand so, on the perimeter together, on the opposite wings. Right. <laughs> That's just man. It's it's almost. It's perfect for five true. out. <laughs> yeah, it's almost. It scares me though, because it's like you know how when you get such a good idea, like I remember in 2018. Mikhail Bridges to Philly made way too much sense. And they took him for like five minutes. And that's I, right. <laughs> yeah. And it was like that stuff just unfortunately feels like unless it's the top pick, that stuff right. never, never actually happens. But Dallas could do it. And I'd, I mean, I really do think that, I mean, we saw Mavs fans ecstatic about Porzingis this year. I mean, obviously Porzingis was an all-star. Like it's completely different. But you don't see seven-footers grow on trees like this guy. Seven-footers right. like this guy grow on trees. Excuse me. He does not uh, – <laughs> I wanted that absolutely horrible. He did not grow up on a tree. But <laughs> <laughs> On that <Yeah>. note – Any <laughs> final uh, thoughts on Poku? Yeah. <laughs> I've had my final thoughts. I don't think I get it right to no, talk no, anymore we, about we it. We spend more than enough time on him. So let's talk about a guy who's on the complete opposite end of the risk-reward spectrum – a guy who I would also love to see in Dallas, but I don't think has any chance of sniffing 18. Uh, you surprised everyone and took him at number two in our mock draft. That would be Devin Vassell, uh, the wing out of Florida State. Uh, let me pull up his numbers here. 6'5", 180. Uh, I don't have a wingspan on him, but it's long. It's lo- He's long. <laughs> he's long. It's probably 6'9". If I'd, I'd say guess. it's seven foot. I'd say it's seven foot. I've seen his height. His height is all over the place. And I mean, his long, his arms are just ridiculously long. Like I was watching a game of his today and I mean, his closeouts, uh, he, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I don't, I feel like it's a seven foot plus wingspan. Okay. Could be. Um, so he's, he's a young sophomore, I believe. Will he be 20 at the draft? Uh, I, I had him down as 19. He's already, yeah, before. he just turned 20. Okay. So, again, but young as a sophomore, uh, really, really took a, uh, a whole new role. I think he was the leading scorer for Florida State, 29 minutes a game and over 30 games. 
10 shots a game, hit at a 49% clip, which is pretty impressive for a wing. Um, on three and a half three-point attempts per game, he converted 41% of those, uh, 74% from the line on two attempts a game, 13 points, five rebounds, uh, 1.6 assists, 1.4 steals, and a block. Um, and normally we start with offense, but you can't talk about Devin Vassell without talking about <laughs> defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any stretch to say. I mean, I have him as the best defender in the draft. Uh, I think he's the best team defender. He's an, uh, In my opinion, he's a generational team defender. Uh, I don't think guys like him come around often. Uh, I know I said the same thing last year about Tybal, and I guess that generational label didn't last long. But you don't <laughs> see guys who? come around like this. About Mat- Mat- uh, Oh, my oh, God. Tybal. Help okay, me out. okay. Yes, I said it backwards. I was about to say his, the T's throw me off, but yes, Thibault, thank you. Okay. Uh, he, I mean, he, I thought he was going to be the best one for a while, and then Vassell honestly kind of blew him out of the water. Different because he plays man most of the time, um, but he's just so versatile defensively. He has insane instincts, uh, and on ball, he's probably just almost as good as he is off ball. Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal defender. Uh, the first thing I noticed about him defensively is he was basically the anchor. He was calling out screens and switches. And Florida State, they run a, a very complex defense with, with a lot of switching. You, you have to be comfortable playing, you know, guarding one through five, uh, which he was. Um, but you, you don't typically see a wing calling all this stuff out. You know, normally it's, it's the, the big on the back end. Um, but that, I, that to me just speaks to his um, his understanding as a team defender and, and his basketball IQ on the defensive side of the ball. Then you add in the, the physical gifts with the super long arms, um, the, you know, fluidity in his hips that he plays with. Um, you know, not the most athletic guy, but he's incredibly, um, incredibly fluid and smooth. Yeah, and I think he's one of the few guys. I mean, this is why I said he's generational on defense. Uh, I I can't think of a single flaw he has. He rotates well. I uh, I mean, he reads plays before they happen, which there's only so many people in college that can do that. Um, that aren't four-year players, I should say, because I feel like that's almost a cheat code. But right. his defense. I mean, I can you. I mean, do you know of any flaws? Like, is there anything that jumped out to you as a negative? Um. I mean, he's he can't guard fives at the NBA level. But like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, there's I mean, nothing I think he could do guard, about that. I mean, I think he could guard some. He couldn't guard Boban, obviously. I wouldn't put him like on a low I post mean, kind of. I he can he can switch on to fives on occasion. You yeah. don't want him picking up a five, you know, on a regular basis. But um, there's there's yeah. not much wrong with him as a defender. There's really not. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, even on, like, some of the fives, like, when he switches out on the perimeter, and, like, a guy like Porzingis, if he tried shooting over Vassell, I don't think he could do it easily, which is a very rare thing to say. Because, I mean, Porzingis has shot over Giannis before. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm putting him way too high, uh, probably, but, like, I mean, I do have really high hopes for him, and I, I just, I can't think of anything on defense that stands out, like, besides, like you said, which isn't even, it's a normal flaw. It's not even a, you know, it's not even right, like him. The, it's literally no, what wing can stay with every five, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, he's even, like, he, like, he's a solid rebounder. He, 
I even have, uh, you know, he offers some weak side rim protection, which you don't see too often uh, from a wing. So to me, he's a guy who can easily guard one through three, um, can, can probably handle stretch fours if he needed to, um, you know, particularly if, if the other team's running small. I think he's a switch everything defender. I, I think he fits every defensive scheme. Um, you know, he he has a very strong floor as an elite defender, you know, straight out of the gate. Um, the question I know that, that we've debated about is the shot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously you must buy into it somewhat because you you would slotted him at number two uh not on your big board not on your big board where is he on your big board by the way uh let me get i think i, I think i'm lower on him than 10th, you are 11 i have him 10th i have him 10th okay so i have him 12 i have him 12 i have patrick williams ahead of him uh his Same teammate here. at florida state um but we'll, we'll get into why so all right, talk to me about the jump shot. What what are your thoughts having – I know you just kind of revisited him today. Yeah, so I love his off-the-dribble shot. I think that's actually a really – like, that's an NBA-ready skill. His, like, and that can be from three-point range. Uh, I mean, pretty much almost three-level because he has the floater and everything, and he can pull up for mid-range. Um, like, his scoring is pretty good. My worry for him is on the standstill, like catch-and-shoots. I just don't like the release. I think it's a little bit slow. It needs to be sped up, and it's long, uh, a little bit too long. Like, obviously, you don't want it, like we talked about with Poku, like, you don't want it too short. But, uh, yeah, those are my concerns. It's just the jump shot length, I guess, uh, from, from a standstill. On the, off the dribble, I don't have really any issues. It's really fascinating that that's the case. Uh, and I totally agree with you, by the way. The, the one dribble pull-up is – it looks really good, really smooth. But – something about the catch and shoot it's slow like he brings the ball up over his head like behind his head almost uh his offhand gets a little bit involved i felt but it's it's worked for him but he's definitely going to need to speed it up um and in a way like i'd like to see him kind of do what dorian finney smith did um i remember um I want to say it was Tim Cato uh, put out an article on The Athletic about when Finney Smith tweaked his shot and kind of brought it uh, for a little further out in front of him. And and so he wasn't releasing it from, from behind his head. And it sped it up. It made it more consistent. And I think that's something that Vassell could benefit from as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so I think you're saying he has to land in Dallas in order to be good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, 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 our league heard it here first, you know, we have to have him. But uh, no, I do agree. Something like that would help because uh, that is my issue with the jump shot from a standstill is that it's just all over the place. I mean, it's literally top to bottom. Uh, it's a very long, long release because of that. Like I when I first saw him, I was like, this guy's shooting behind his head. And it reminded me of like Tyreek Evans with that jump shot, uh, mm. at least the release. And uh, I, I just I'm not a fan of those that kind of a release from a stand. So, but it's so weird because off the dribble, he doesn't do that at all. Right. It's, it's like he's, he's thinking too much. And then when he's forced to just shoot the ball without thinking it works, like it's, it's it's a very good looking shot. Um, And you kind of saw from the line a bit too, like 
under 74%. Like, it's not great. Uh, 68% as a freshman. Um, you know, so there's some there's some concerns there. Yeah, and I don't know how – I know free throw percentage, you know, is a really good uh, indicator of jump shot success in the NBA. But I don't know if it applies more to catch and shoot versus – which I would think it does uh, because right. free throws are a standstill thing. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Like it, that's the hard part with him is that how much of that is about the off the dribble versus catch and shoot because they're completely. I mean, you grade him completely differently, you know. Right. But I do think he has good touch overall. I mean, like his floater and his runner are really nice, which is why I say like three level shooter. As yeah. weird as that sounds, not necessarily three level scorer, but uh, because he can pull up from deep mid range and then from three, and he has the floater to go to. I agree. Um, I, I, I think ultimately I'm going to buy the shot long term because I think he is going to make the necessary adjustments to be a consistent threat. And honestly, even if he doesn't, you know, I, I think NBA spacing will give him some time to to get like corner threes off, um, you know, as long as someone else kind of creates the space for him. Um and, you know, with, with the defensive capabilities, like three and D is no question in his future. Yeah. And he moves well on off ball, too. So like very well, he'll make himself open. He'll make himself open very well. He's constantly cutting. He's relocating, um, you know, and I think that's why I think that's probably why I, I kind of like the fit where you had him in New Orleans. I think it's high for him, but just as a pure like matching the player to a team like he's a perfect fit with his defensive identity and his his ability to to move without the ball um i want to touch on his finishing real quick um that that's a concern to me i I don't think he has the strength or athleticism to finish in traffic on a consistent basis yeah, finishing in traffic is definitely a concern. Uh, I know he shot almost 70% at the rim, uh, but, I mean, it's 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 not going to translate one-to-one. I don't think that's a one-to-one translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that he's going to be very good off cuts and finishing over one defender, but if he gets multiple people, like his man and obviously the help side defender, um, I, I do think that is definitely a valid concern for him, and that's why I don't label him as a three-level scorer. Right. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, so one thing that I think separates Patrick Williams from Vassell is the passing. Um, I don't think he's a bad passer per se, but I don't think it's a plus skill for him. I think he's unselfish. He doesn't force anything. But, I, you know, outside of making basic reads, I, I don't see him as, you know, being a particularly – you know, noteworthy passer. Yeah, I don't think he'll average a ton of assists. Uh, there are a lot of plays off the top of my head I can think of where, and a lot of them are in transition, so it's not always going to be like, you know, you don't get a ton of transition assists. It's not how you, you know what I mean? Like, you don't right. You don't make a living off transition assists. But sure. he stole, like, there's one play off the top of my head. I think it was like against North Florida. So take it how you will. But <laughs> he ripped the ball. Uh, he poked it up, tossed it in the air twice, and all in like all in one motion. As he caught it, he immediately chucked it behind his head and right to the open man, like on a dime. Um, and I mean, I, that was really impressive. 
Uh, I do think he's really good at reading against pressure, but I think his lack of uh, ball handling and separation skill, uh, or excuse me, like a tight handle. He has ball handling. It's just not that tight. I think that's ultimately going to hurt his playmaking. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Again, someone who's going to make the right play, but not necessarily the, you know, the outstanding pass that, you know, leads directly to a bucket, you know, he's more likely to, Hey, I'm just going to make the extra swing pass. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's an important, you know, skill to have as well. Um, You know, having that, you know, um, IQ to do those things. Yeah. And IQ is, I mean, I think that's, he has three key traits, defense frame. And I think his just overall intelligence is the third one. Right. Yeah. Like, would you agree? Those are his three standout traits. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so in, for you, what, what is it that, you know, because again, they're yeah. both defensively responsible wings from Florida state. What kind of separates Patrick Williams from Vassell outside of just the passing? <laughs> So I buy the cell shot more. Um, I don't buy Williams's as much. My issue is, is, or not issue, my reasoning is, is I think Patrick Williams has the potential to be one of the, I, I don't know how to word it right, but I think he has, a, like, he elevates the team. Both of them do this, but with his positional value, he elevates his team as a glue guy almost, and I hate saying this, but like, you know how Draymond raises the floor of the team and the ceiling at the same time, like by drafts. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, that positional value difference to me, uh, I think as a combo forward, uh, that's and he's still learning defense. Like there's, he's so raw yet so good on defense. I think he has all world defense upside. Uh, obviously, the cell does too, and I think he's a much better playmaker. That's that's the biggest difference. And that combo is the most coveted thing. You know, every year we're like, who's this year's Draymond? For that reason. Yeah, I think I agree with you all the way. Um... Anything else um, as far as the, you know, evaluation you wanted to, to get into? No, uh, I think that's all I got in terms of breakdown. All right. So do you have a comparison for him that you liked? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't like it, but I have a comparison. <laughs> okay. And that's uh, that's the low hanging fruit. I think this is his floor, by the way, but I can't find a high, a real ceiling for him. Uh, but Mikhail Bridges, who I think is still on his way to be an outstanding player in this league. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my comparison would just be a role, which is just an ultimate do it all glue guy. Uh, you know, lockdown defender, he'll go guard anybody, uh, just a winning player. Yeah. And I think ultimately like that goes back to what we were talking about where, you know, a lot of these guys <laughs> in the top 10 have, have a lot of like glue guy, you know, to their game and Vassell's probably the ultimate glue guy. Um, with the things that he can do. So I definitely understand where you're coming from in that regard. Um, You know, I have him, what I say, 12th on my big board. Um, But like all these, like a bunch of these guys ahead of him, you know, I I don't foresee being superstars either. I think Vassell on a championship team is probably a third or fourth scoring option, but you know, probably plays 30 plus minutes a night because of the defense. Yeah, I wouldn't say, and like, I don't even know if he's the third or fourth best scorer, but he's at least the third or fourth, at worst, 
the fourth, he's third or fourth worst, or excuse me, best player on the team, you know? Yeah, like, that, that's a better way to say it. Yeah, I know, I know you meant, I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's going to be super valuable. So outside of Golden State, where you had <laughs> slotted him in our mock, um, what are the best fits for Vassell? I mean, really, it's anybody. Like, any, yeah, I was just about to say. needs a, a player like this, but, um, you know, where outside of Golden State, where do you like him in this draft? So, I mean, yeah, literally everywhere. I think every single team has a legitimate argument for him. Uh, I think you go one through 11. I don't see him getting past the Spurs. Um, I think every single team looking at this has a strong need for him. So it's all pick your kind of pick your uh, I want to say poison, but the, the opposite of that would be here because he's not poison <laughs> at all. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I do think you can choose any single team. Uh, I do think immediately the best impact for him is a winning team like Golden State. I think you see a lot better dividends uh, from him in Golden State than you do in Cleveland or Detroit, where they're kind of in a full-on rebuild. Uh, right. That would be my only reservation with him. But even then, like those are guys that you need to be winning team. Yeah, I think that's why I like San Antonio for him. I like uh, New Orleans. I like Sacramento to a degree. I, I think they're going to yes. be on the up and up. Um, and I, I just think he'd be big for their culture. Um, yep. You know, kind of bringing that back to, you know, the, the kings of old, um, <laughs> you know, back in the, yep. the 2000s. Um, so, awesome. Any, uh, any final thoughts on Devin Vassell? No, uh, all I know is I just I would if the Mavs if he's slipping like past eight, the Mavs need to be on the phones and doing everything because my hot take with him is that if the Mavs got him, I mean they're they win a playoff series. Like he's the kind of guy that is what they need to push over the top into getting another to getting a playoff series win. Um, obviously totally they won agree. two against the Clippers. I mean I that's probably on the team end. I can see them even making like I mean I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not going to say it and completely bite myself in the ass, but I mean. He would put the Mavs over the top long term. He would 100% put them over the top. It's exactly what they need. He's 100% what they need. Someone who prides themselves on defense. Um, I'm going to shout out uh, our buddy Bibbs again, who, you know, he's talked about it a ton on his podcast. Um, and on Twitter, he's been very vocal about it, is Mavs need to find a player who takes pride in their defense, who is someone who makes the – the team defense better, who can tell people where they need to be, who, who will hold people accountable. I think that's Vassell. I really do. Yeah. And one last thing. I mean, we talk about, you know, Dorian and Maxi are really good defenders, but they can only be as good as the defense around them. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it raises their floors too. Um, I just, he does everything on defense. Like I can't, I can't say it enough. You have a generational player in Luka Doncic and you get a, what I call a generational defender on the other end, that's a match made in heaven. But I, I'm not getting my hopes up with him. No, me neither. I think no way he gets out of the lottery. Yeah. Um, and I think a good chance he ends up in the top 10 because we're seeing the importance of those kind of players. Yep. Um, but with that in mind, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Go ahead and give Richard a follow at MavsDraft. Check out the website, MavsDraft.com. Uh, you can follow me if you'd like at uh, Jared underscore cats 30. Um, I'm a bit more all over the place with my tweets, but you know, <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, um, 
let's uh next time we'll uh we should maybe ask for some uh mailbag questions again uh get the uh, listeners back involved we haven't done that in a minute so uh look out for that um you know draft is now is it under 37 days 37 37 from when we record this yeah 37 days away so uh we'll we'll try to get a few more episodes out to you guys uh before the draft and then uh it's been a long time coming real long time (laughs) i'm ready for this 2020 class to be done (laughs) yeah love them but like it's too long man 2021 it's been a year yeah 2021 is gonna be that is like i'm sad the maps don't have a pick as much as we talked about these two guys, if the Mavs traded the 18 for 2021, I'm happy. <laughs> hey, there you go. All right, so y'all have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk to you guys next time.